It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right, welcome to Money for Lunch. Glad you're here. We are rocking it today, and we're going to start with the quote of the day. It's part of life to have obstacles. It's about overcoming obstacles. That's the key to happiness. Herbie Hancock. It's part of life to have obstacles. It's about overcoming obstacles. That's the key to happiness. And that is attributed to Mr. Herbie Hancock. Good to have you here, my friends. We're going to just jump right into it. I'm excited. I'm being joined today by Abner Mason. Uh, Abner Mason is the founder and CEO of Consejo Sano. Consejo Sano is a patient engagement platform that helps connect payers, providers, health systems with their multicultural Medicaid and Medicare populations. Abner is also founder of the Health Tech for Medicaid, a nonprofit coalition of health tech leaders collaborating to create technology for Medicaid programs. Abner Mason, welcome to Money for Lunch. Thanks, uh, Bert. Uh, very, uh, very glad to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. All right. So uh, why don't we just dive into this uh, patient engagement platform of yours? What the heck is Consejo Sano? <laughs> sure. So uh, Consejo Sano, it, actually, it means healthy advice in Spanish. Uh, we are a patient engagement and patient navigation company. Um, and what we are doing um, and the reason we exist is that uh, we're trying to address a pain point, a challenge that exists in healthcare in America today. Um, America has changed over the past uh, two, three, four decades and become far more multicultural. Um, in fact, according to the U.S. Census, uh, the U.S. will be a majority minority state by 2050. Uh, today in California, where we're headquartered, uh, California is already a majority minority state. So is Texas. So, and and this uh, this demographic change that has been happening, um, it uh, it is uh, causing uh, some challenges in the healthcare system. Frankly, it has uh, caused some challenges in, in society in general. Some of the challenges we face in our politics today, as you know, are connected to this fact that. Uh, some people ha- are not uh, ready to embrace the country that we have become, but America has changed. It already has happened, and it continues to change, and uh, I think that we should embrace that, and it's a beautiful thing that our country has such diversity, um, but uh, it does mean that we have to sometimes do things a little differently, and when it comes to health care in particular, because the country has changed so much, our health care system hasn't kept up. And so our healthcare system really kind of uh, treats people uh, and responds to people much like it did 30 years ago, even though the population, the patients it's supposed to serve have changed dramatically. And and that mismatch between the healthcare system today being able to serve the country that we become today, that mismatch results in really poor health outcomes because we don't do a good job of engaging the patients, and it results in higher costs 
for everyone. Uh, and, and, and when it comes to the government programs like Medicaid and Medicare, those costs are borne by all taxpayers. So what Conceal Sano is trying to do is bridge that gap and use technology to bridge that gap. How do we, uh, it, we, we've developed ways to engage multicultural patients in their health care, and in particular, low-income folks who are on Medicaid. And a lot of our businesses with the Medicaid program, um, we're getting incredible results by uh, connecting with people first culturally. So we don't have a one-size-fits-all approach, and I can get more into that. Uh, instead, we treat people much more like they're individuals. It's a much more consumer-like, customized approach to engaging people. And what we find is and when we do that, we get better results, we get higher engagement, and that leads to better health and lower costs. Yep, I like it. I like it. Uh, all right, so i got to ask you this. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. How did this whole Consejo Sano come about? I mean, you're obviously you saw this, but how did you see this gap in communication? Sure. So um, uh, my my background is uh, I, I started my first job was in consulting. I worked at Bain and Company, and, I, and some of my first clients were healthcare clients. So I've been immersed in healthcare. Uh, for over 25 years now, um, and then I worked in state government in Massachusetts. I was chief policy advisor for uh, two governors in Massachusetts, and healthcare was a top agenda item for uh, my boss, uh, both my bosses, the governors, and that's the case for governors across the country. And then I did a lot of work in HIV/AIDS because uh, I was appointed to a, a national group called, by the by President uh, Bush called the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV and AIDS. And all of that experience um, taught me a couple things. One, that healthcare is crucial to high-quality uh, uh, life. Uh, people who want to live a high-quality life, healthcare is important. Um, but it's also important to get a handle on cost. And so, um, as I have spent uh, uh, my career after leaving state government, Massachusetts, I did. A, I created a nonprofit that focused on HIV and AIDS work, and we did a lot of work internationally. And one of the places we worked was Mexico. And this is a very interesting thing. When I saw in Mexico was that they were using technology uh, in ways uh, that we were we either hadn't started in the U.S. or were just beginning to, to to start. So, for instance, telemedicine and the use of the mobile phone to connect with people in Mexico it moved much faster than in the U.S. Largely because uh, their their healthcare system uh, was not as, as established and advanced as ours, and so they could utilize new technology and innovation much more quickly. In the U.S., we had legacy issues that prevented us from embracing technology and innovation quickly. So that work I was doing in Mexico, um, I was able to see that there are solutions that that in that, in this case it was uh, all his, all Spanish speakers in, in Mexico that they were embracing to connect people to care in low cost ways. And so I had this idea that we could take some of those ideas, some of the, some of the innovations in Mexico, apply them in the U.S., um, at first with the Hispanic population, and now we're working with all multicultural, all, all, all groups, uh, but initially it was with Hispanics. If we, if we took what we were learning in Mexico and applied it in the U.S., we could uh, uh, drive better outcomes by utilizing uh, technology, and in particular the mobile phone. Sure. You know what, and it's interesting to me, I, I think that uh... – not only did I see that, uh, well, let me rephrase that. Uh, I wasn't aware that Mexico did that, but I was aware that a couple of the uh, uh, countries in Europe had done that. And I think that one of the issues that uh, caused such massive delay in the U.S. is this, I guess, you know, the red tape, right? 
somebody says, hey, let's do this, and then you have a whole group of people saying, well, what about uh, privacy? And, and then, of course, you know, a few years ago, I don't know how long ago it started, we started with this HIPAA thing, and, and I think most doctors, most providers don't understand what HIPAA is about. Uh, I don't think any patients understand what HIPAA is about. Uh, so we have this, this lack of use of technology because we have to be so compliant with everything. I mean, do, do you think I'm right or, or am I wrong? I think you're right. Um, I think you're exactly right. And I'll, I'll give you an example um, that's close to uh, the, uh, some of the work that Kensei Hosano does. So I'll use telemedicine as an example. Uh, telemedicine has grown uh, slowly in the U.S., more slowly than in other countries, in part because and I'll use Mexico as an example, a telemedicine company in Mexico that wants to do business in Mexico, they can hire doctors and those doctors can connect with, uh, with, with people in Mexico for anywhere in the country. It doesn't matter what state, uh, it doesn't matter where the doctor is located because the license in Mexico, the medical practice, the, the, practice, the license to practice medicine is a national license. And so that doctor, wherever they are in Mexico, wherever they're sitting, they can serve anybody else in Mexico. But in the U.S., because our healthcare system has evolved over a much longer period of time, there's, there are legacy issues. And one of those legacy issues is that doctors in the U.S. are, li are licensed by each state, not by the federal government. So if you are a doctor and you happen to reside in Texas, you are sitting in Texas where office is, you can't serve uh, a patient who is in uh, Nevada <laughs> because you're not licensed in Nevada. And so when the telemedicine, uh, this new technology innovation using phone and video to connect with patients in a much more uh, cost-effective and convenient way for the patient, so it's much more convenient for the patient, uh, the laws, the these practice of medicine laws, prevented uh, telemedicine companies in, in, in the U.S. from being able to offer their service across the whole country. Instead, um, the, the rule in the U.S. was that the doctor who was going to do the telemedicine visit, whether it was phone or video, had to be licensed in the state where the patient was. So if you're a doctor and you're in Texas and you work for a company and you want to do telemedicine, you'd have to be licensed, not just in Texas, but to serve that patient, let's say in Nevada, you'd have to be licensed in Nevada. In order to, be, right. to, in order to serve a patient in Illinois, you'd have to be licensed in Illinois. So it's a, it was a, it's a kind of a crazy, uh, it made it, the barriers are really high because you have to be licensed in all these states in order to have a national telemedicine company. So that's an example of what you're saying. It's their legacy issues in the U.S. Uh, we've got to get around those if we're going to uh, embrace innovation and bring new technology and new solutions that are more cost effective uh, and that uh, are more convenient for the consumer. If we're going to put those into place, we've got to uh, address these legacy policy and regulatory issues. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember, this is 20 years ago, I remember sitting at this guy's office and he had set up, he was a physician licensed in Utah, and I was at that time in Salt Lake, and he says, Bert, here's, here's the future of medicine. This is 20 years ago. And he had a computer, and attached to his computer was a heart uh, monitor, a blood pressure cuff, and um, there might have been something else. I don't remember. And he says all of this information can be transported via the Internet. You don't need to go to a doctor's office to find out what your blood pressure is. You don't need – you know, all of this can be done via the Internet. 
and this was 20 years ago, and this doctor, I think at that time he was 74, so if he's still alive, he's 94 years old, and he's probably not doing this anymore, but most likely he might have passed on, and we're just now starting to see this because government sometimes is a big roadblock to innovation. It's just crazy. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I have another example um, that directly affects uh, the uh, Consejo Sano. But just to, just for in fairness to, uh, to uh, the government, it's not always the government that's standing in the way. Uh, it's other 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 uh, uh, factors as well. Uh, and for example, with the telemedicine example, uh, it was the uh, uh, medical boards in the various states. Uh, that control the licensing, they were uh, standing in the way of telemedicine because, if, in a sense, and, and I love doctors, and my best friends are doctors, uh, so I'm not, this is not a negative doctor thing, but um, in a sense, some of the, the medical boards in some states have acted almost like the old, a guild. Their job was to protect the turf yeah. of their members. And so if you think of it, uh, I'm going to use Texas as an example, the Texas Board of, Me of Medicine, because they uh, really struggled with this. Um, if you're a telemedicine provider and you are and your office is in Kansas, is in Texas, um, they were protecting their ability to keep their patients to themselves. They didn't want a doctor in Kansas doing a telemedicine visit or a doctor, you know, in Mississippi doing a telemedicine visit with their patient in Dallas or in Houston. And so they were protecting their turf. So yes, the government is a is definitely a uh, uh, sometimes a, a problem, and we need to change policy and regulation. But sometimes other groups in society are also standing in the way of innovation, in part because they're trying to protect their turf. An analogy there, you think Uber or Lyft and the taxi uh, um, commissions, yeah. um, they've yeah. been at war. <laughs> you know, they've been, well, the same thing has happened in medicine. It's, instead of Uber, uh, Uber, Lyft, and, and the taxis, it's, you know, telemedicine companies and the medical, the doctors, the medical boards in, in the various states. And, and now it's happening with Airbnb and, and some of the hotel uh, uh, regulators. Uh, the hoteliers are getting together with regulators and trying to prevent Airbnb and other, these other kinds of companies from coming into a given city. So, and I'm not taking, you know, I'm not saying that we, we don't need to balance interests and, and hear all voices, but at the end of the day, we have got to make sure that our country uh, is encouraging innovation and that new solutions that provide a, more options for consumers, better outcomes for, for consumers, we've got to always remember that that is something we need to encourage and prioritize. Yes. Well, you know what, and it goes to show you, I like how you pointed that out, that in some of these places like Canada, like Mexico, uh, like many uh, places in Europe, uh, medicine is federally regulated versus state regulated. And therefore, they're able to, in some instances, get stuff done quicker. No question. And I mean, the state, re state regulation really doesn't make sense today. I mean, I know how it occurred over the course of our history. You know, the states had, a, had an important role, the states regulated medicine. But let's face it, today you go to medical school anywhere. If you go, if you go to, you know, the UCLA Medical School, you, you're learning very similar things than if you go to, you know, North Carolina UNC Medical School, and you have to take boards and be certified. And once you're certified, you actually can practice anywhere in the country 
it, were it not for these these sort of archaic old you know board of medicine uh, uh, regulations, so uh, the hit, I understand how we got here, but we've got to sort of take a fresh look at some of these regulations and say, is this right for America today? Is this the right, right thing for the American people today? And if it and, and if it isn't, we need to make the changes that that will uh, that will that will make that will ensure that we aren't just left behind. And I I'd love to give you one other example because it so directly affects affects what I do, um, and that's text messaging and healthcare. So text, um, as you know, you, I, I, if I asked you how you communicate with your family and friends. I bet you you'd say text messaging is an important part of that. If you ask your viewers, uh, I mean, your, uh, your, your, your audience, um, I guarantee you they'd say, yeah, we, te- we text. That's the way we communicate today. It's, it's 2019. Well, in healthcare, uh, we are still hamstrung by, by old laws. One of the laws is called the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, or TCPA for short. Uh, it's a federal law. It was passed in, like, 1992, um, and it, it regulates how uh, people can interact via text message. Well, that was the first year uh, that text messaging was uh, – the first commercial text messages were sent that year. So we're, we're living today under a law that's constraining us that was put in place when even effectively before text messaging even started. Now fast forward to now, and it's the way everyone communicates. We're still living under this law that basically says you can't send a message to someone unless you have permission from them in advance to send the message. So if you're a health plan and you want to communicate with your members, your members really only communicate or primarily communicate via text message, but you can't use text messaging because if you don't have permission in advance, this federal law says there's high penalties, there are financial penalties for every infraction. So what it's done is it has hamstrung the ability of, med- of health plans in America today to communicate with their members in the way the members prefer to be communicated with. So your health plan probably mails you, you get all sorts of mail, but people, that's not the way they communicate today. And so what we're doing at Conseil Osana is we're trying to work with health plans who are, 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 are finding ways to um, uh, text their members without violating the, the, the federal law, and we're trying to get the law changed. But it's just an example of how today we're being hamstrung by an, an outdated old law uh, that that really it's time has has come and it should you know to end um and we yeah. should get rid of it but it's a process sure sure so so you know like i agree with what you're saying about not only text messaging i mean i i communicate with my doctor via text uh as well as email um but i i know that i am i am the exception rather than the rule uh i think that that uh, the other thing that you said about making a medical license more, you know, universal, uh, because really, if you are a, you know, I guess if, if you're if you're practicing dentistry or chiropractic medicine or uh, orthopedic medicine, the humans in Texas are going to be identical to the Houston to the humans in Nevada. No and there's and not, there's not, no question. you know, other than the accent, it's going to be about the same experience. And so it is kind of dumb that I get, you know, I get my license in Texas and I'm sure if I want to practice medicine in Nevada, I don't know if they make you take another test or do you, you just fill out a form. As long as you're in good standing in Texas, you're good to go in Nevada. But either way, 
it, it is kind of, again, another archaic system, right? And so, uh, to, you know, so are you guys also trying to make a change there? Or are you right now, is your focus just on the text messaging? Talk about that. So one of the things we're focused on is text messaging because uh, most of our clients are Medicaid members. So we're in 10 states now, my company, and we're growing to other states. And so we work primarily in Medicaid. Medicaid is the program for low-income people. It's a joint uh, state federal program. Um, and as you know, uh, it's growing across the country. There, it, it expanded under the ACA, the, the Obamacare. And so the Medicaid program is the is the safety net healthcare program for America. So low-income people, this is how they get their healthcare. It also turns out that low-income people uh, uh, are very comfortable with, and in many cases primarily, and in some cases only, communicate via text message. They don't have, because they're low-income, you know, a, a, a laptop at home and a pad in the car and a pad at the office and all these other places. All they have is their mobile phone. They have one device, and that's the way they connect to family via WhatsApp and uh, and, uh, and other chat services um, and you know, Facebook Messenger. That's the way they communicate. That's the way they get internet access. So when we uh, 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 for health plans whose job it is Medicaid managed care plans. These are the health plans that win the contracts to manage the care of these people across the states of these Medicaid folks. When the plan can't communicate with them in the way that the Medicaid member, the low income patient prefers or or is more comfortable with it results in low in in, in uh, uh, much less interaction uh, worse outcomes health outcomes and higher costs what we're finding at Conseil Osano is that when we engage these folks via text message and the key thing here is think we engage them culturally we don't send one message to uh, in English that one sort of size-fits-all message and expect that to work we actually subdivide the population up into what we call cultural cohorts. And we've built a technology platform using machine learning and AI that allows us to, to design content for much smaller uh, sub-segments of the overall population. We call them cultural cohorts. And so we are able to deliver a message via the mobile phone, typically a text message, in the culture and language that the, that, that person is more comfortable with. And when we do that, we get much higher engagement. So my point is that by not doing that, we are really saying to low-income people and multicultural people who, who, who's, who this is their only way to communicate, we're just not going to communicate with you. And to me, that's not right. I think that everyone, I'm sure you agree, deserves high-quality health care regardless of what they look like, what they talk like, or where they come from. And because we have that commitment, what that means is that we have got to connect with people in the way that – works for them, that they're most comfortable with. We can't say to low-income and multicultural people, you need to change, and then we'll give you health care. You need to be somebody different, and then we'll give you health care. We shouldn't do that, and it doesn't work. What we need to do is we need to change and the way we interact with them and connect with them in a the way that works for them, and that will drive better results, better outcomes, and lower costs. So it's a really a health equity issue, this whole text messaging issue, and that's why it's something that we're very focused on uh, uh, at Conseil Sano. All right, so let me ask you this, because uh, uh, I can hear people saying, well, you know what, Abner, this sounds great, but look, if you are living here in the great United States, shouldn't you learn English? Shouldn't you know enough English to communicate with 
you know, air, you know, with, with the people that you need, you need to communicate. I mean, like when when I travel overseas, uh, I I've not yet seen a sign that says you know habla español or um, you know sprechensi English or anything like that. I mean, you either speak the language there or you find somebody to speak the language for you. Shouldn't that be the way here? Uh, there are certainly people who feel that way, um, and uh, our view is that uh, this country has, uh, as I said, become uh, far more multicultural, and we're on the way to becoming a majority-minority country, as I said, and some yeah. states like California are already there. So um, I think we have to make a, a, a decision as society. Um, and, when it, and when it comes to healthcare, maybe I'll focus there first. We have to decide, do we want a healthcare system in America that serves the people who live in America, who call this country home? If we want to do that, then we need to change our healthcare system so that it can serve the people who call this country home. And what that means is the healthcare system needs to make, uh, accommodate the needs of the people. If we, if we have a different point of view and we think that our healthcare system really shouldn't serve everybody, then maybe we should say that, you know, the people have to accommodate, make the changes, and, and our healthcare system is sort of frozen in time, and people have to change and become something different or learn some new skills or get some new capabilities, and then they can engage with the healthcare system. Uh, my view is that that is backward. Um, it's, it won't work. It's counterproductive, and it, it's not consistent with – I think the values of most Americans. I think most Americans share the view. There are some exceptions, I'll grant you, but most Americans have this view that it, that healthcare is a fundamental right, and that we ought to uh, that our healthcare system ought to serve and serve well. If it cost, you know, it should be cost effective, um, and, but it should serve all the people who call this country home, not just some. And we shouldn't say people have to become someone different in order to get healthcare. Gotcha, gotcha. And you know what? And and I think for the most part that uh, that is true. I mean, look, the reality is that when it comes to something as important as healthcare, you don't want somebody miscommunicated with. You don't want somebody that doesn't understand what's going on, who might accidentally receive the wrong medicine or have an adverse reaction because they did not understand what was happening right uh you know and, and there are you know there's always an exception to the rule but i would think that america you know which is named after a immigrant italian immigrant first of all uh is kind of a melting pot i mean whether whether you like it or not, that is America. America has always been a melting pot. And I think long gone are the, are the days where if you were Irish, you were, you were uh, you know, there were certain people that wouldn't hire you because you were Irish. And certain people aren't going to hire you because you're black. And certain people aren't going to talk to you because you're, you know, you're Catholic or you're this or you're that. I think that America is doing its best to be a more tolerant, more inclusive nation. And I think that is 
really the values that we all seem to have, right? Um, we want to be a country that is known for upholding, you know, and I don't necessarily want to call them American values, but, you know, let's say, how about human values? I mean, we all want to be treated, you know, we, we all matter and we all want to be treated as though we matter. Um, Abner, we're, we're very short on time, but I wanted to talk about this because this is kind of like a big deal. Uh, your program, Consejo Sano, um, has just teamed up with Blue Cross uh, or uh, Blue Shield California. This is kind of a big deal. Talk about this. How did this come about? Sure. So, um, as I said, we focus at Consejo Sano a lot on the Medicaid uh, a population. And in California, uh, Blue Shield of California has a very large Medicaid plan called Promise Health. It's about a half million, five, about 500,000 members. And because they're in California, as I described earlier, this is a very multicultural uh, state, uh, the Medicaid population is very diverse. And so Blue Shield of California, to their credit, uh, and I really think they deserve a lot of credit for this. They said, we need to do a better job of engaging with our members. And to our, to our early discussion, I think their view was we can't expect our members to change and become someone different for us to, to engage them and, 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 and serve them. Uh, we've got to change. We've got to reach out to them in ways that will uh, drive high, better outcomes that are more cost-effective. And so they looked around for a solution, and they heard about Consejo Sano. They talked to us, and they said, we want to uh, bring you in and partner with you and have you uh, uh, help us to engage with our, with our members. Um, we are working with Blue Shield of California's Promise Plan. We're covering, uh, engaging in 22 different cultures and languages, primarily through text messaging, um, the, I can't praise uh, Blue Shield of California enough for their leadership and vision um, in, in, in understanding that they needed to take a step forward and do something different if they were going to get better outcomes. And so they were our first large Medicaid plan client for Consejo Sano, so we're very grateful to them for that. Now we have four or five other uh, uh, Medicaid plan clients and, we're, and others we're talking with across the country. But uh, uh, Blue Shield helped us to, to uh, demonstrate uh, that our approach could really improve outcomes. So, for example, um, we were able to increase uh, uh, visits for well-child well visits. This is the kids who are, you know, between, say, three and six have to come in every year for a physical in the Medicaid program. And a lot of the parents, because these are low-income people, um, they struggle to make their appointments. We were able to, uh, to increase the number of, of visits by something like 40%. So wow. um, we're showing incredible results because, you know, it turns out if you treat people with respect and dignity and you make sure that in the way you communicate with them, they know that they're seen as who they are. A lot of these people are used to being ignored or just not seen. And what we're saying is you matter. When you, we, we treat you as an individual who has a history. You come from somewhere. You live somewhere. You have values. You, and we are going to communicate with you in that way. And when you do that, to, it's, I call it being, being civil and treating people with that sort of human approach. Um, you, yes. People will trust you and they will engage with you, and that's why we're getting re the results we're getting. And, and, you know, and ultimately, I don't care what business you're in, you're in the people business. And if you can communicate, as you said at the beginning of the show, if you can communicate and the preferred language of your clients, they, then they engage with you more and they see you as more valuable. They're going to stay with you. And, you know, the, the pluses just keep adding up. Um, 
and so I love this idea. I love this idea of uh, Consejo Sano, uh, and I like. It's, I'm amazed. You're in. Did you say 32 different cultures and languages? What was that? 22, 22 different cultures 22. and languages, and we're adding them every day. We're adding additional ones every day. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's amazing. And our team is very multicultural. That we've hired people who come from the communities that we're trying to engage with. So our view is, you know, we've got to understand who people are, and by and we use technology and people. So it is a balance. You can't do this with just people. It's a lot of machine learning and artificial intelligence. We collect a lot of data and we build algorithms that allow us to create content that, when a person receives it, it feels like it was meant for them. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Abner, we're out of time. I want to say thank you so much for stopping by. I'm going to put the link to consejosano.com here in the show notes. So if you guys want to check them out and check out their website, you can do that. Abner, thank you so much and uh, continued luck and growth to uh, your company. Great. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. You bet. Good stuff there from Abner Mason. The name of the company is Consejo Sano, and that's C O N. S-E-J-O-S-A-N-O, Consejo Sano, uh, a patient engagement platform that helps connect payers, providers, and health systems with their multicultural Medicaid and Medicare clients. I just think it's an ingenious idea and certainly something that is going to get bigger and stronger as we uh, we'll call it as our uh, population changes, right? And we have become this multicultural uh, population. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm most excited about is that uh, on most iPhones today, or I should say most smartphones, whether it's iPhone or Android, you can, there's a translation tool there. So if you are someplace and you don't speak the language, you can translate it into their language so they understand what you're looking for. Because when you're desperately looking for the bathroom, the last thing you want is to be accidentally ordering a sandwich. Anyway, uh, I want to say thank you so much for stopping by. Let's help everyone we know get this information. As always, my friends, thank you so much for stopping by. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.